The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Eric France and Ajay Salveson. Good Monday to you. Did you have a good weekend? Was it sad because of the outcome on Sunday? Did you care? Did you just have good food and uh, got to enjoy the spectacle and didn't matter the outcome? Uh, We'll look at our pick six and see how close we came on things we thought might happen as a result of, of the game. No peeking, Ajay. Um, can't see a damn thing from here. <laughs> <laughs> got it pretty well covered. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we've got a lot of things to recap. Uh, Mondays are always big days here on the Full Court Press, and we always love to get the interaction from you from the things you saw over the weekend. 435-339-0321. we got the Super Bowl. we got the Jazz. we got the Aggies. we got a high school basketball. A lot of things to unpack here on a Monday. Uh, the latest RPI rankings are out. We'll update you on the net rankings. Ken Pomeroy. Uh, Utah State had a game postponed. Uh, what does this next week look like for the Aggies? Short answer is we don't know. <laughs> um, but, uh, I mean, there's some positive signs, I guess, yeah, that are coming that, out today. Like, I, I guess the would it be the cliche of no news is good news right now, right? <laughs> is, that how to put, is that how to put it? No news is good news. As, as long as we don't hear yeah, anything, we're going to be playing Wednesday true. night. Hey, what time are the games? Are they late? Do we have an 8 and 9, or is it just 7 and 8 this week? And I know, I think, is it game one that's on KJAZZ? And then game two is FS1 or CBS Sports? I know one of them's on KJAZZ this week. I don't know which one it is. All because of the essential that we're playing Wyoming. So the Wednesday game is at 6. Oh, Wednesday's at 6? And Friday at 8. The Friday game is on FS1. So oh, the Wednesday game six. must be on at- KJazz. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. All right, yeah. KJazz has picked up those games that we're going to be on great. stadium. Yeah, which has been great. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice I local, absolutely love that. local access to see those games. Yeah, no, it's great. It's great for the, the fans. and Yeah. Um, Definitely some movement in the Mountain West standings. Holy crap. And, okay, so we've – and I've tweeted about this, and I've kind of seen what you've put out in regards to net rankings. Uh, Eric does a great job, by the way, keeping up with the net ranking stuff. If you can follow him at eFranson on Twitter, um, does a wonderful job keeping up to date with it. But uh, it's crazy because Utah State's a half game up on Colorado State, full game up on Boise because they got swept in Reno by Nevada. So that Boise State series looms larger and larger as we go on through you know, the, the, last, or I guess the last stretch of the season. Um, and they, Aggies, need to sweep this Wyoming series. Like, And by the way, they need to sweep Nevada now. Like, There is no room for error whatsoever in any way, shape, or form. Boise, you could probably split and be okay. Nevada, you got to sweep now, though. Nevada is, uh, they're making a, but boy, they're well, making some noise, a aren't really they? big move in the, in the rankings. Biggest one, isn't it? 18. They yeah, that would do it. 18 spots. Yeah, that would do it. That's impressive, past. Eric. That's so impressive. Uh, they're nine and five in conference play. So in their minds, they're not out of it. <laughs> uh, you look who they still have on their schedule. They still have Colorado State and Utah State. 
They also have San Jose State. But they, they took down Boise State. Um, and so, they look, if they can take care of business against the Rams and the Aggies, they're not number one, but they're right there, number two, that number three. That Colorado State series is going to be really, really, really good. That's going to be a tight series. I, I don't see either contest getting ending with you know five-plus points either way. In fact, I could see them easily splitting. That's going to be a really good series. So, so Colorado State's second. Nevada's fourth then? They've got to be fourth. So the, the current standings are this. Utah State is number one. Let that ruminate, sink in for a second. Yeah. Utah State is number one. Yeah, that kind of kicked me in the face just again. In the Mountain West Conference standings right now. Only two losses. Uh, Colorado State is number two, a half a game behind the Aggies. They're eleven and three. Boise State is now ten and three, a full game behind Utah State. San Diego State is number four, at seven and three. And then there's Nevada at number five. They're at nine and five. I forgot about. You know what's crazy and it's horrible of me to say. I forgot about San Diego State. <laughs> I, I well, just clearly forgot about him. You know what's bizarre is San Diego State is fourth in the Mountain West Conference standings. Yeah. Fourth. But in the polls that just came out and the net rankings, you'd think they were a top 25 team. In one poll, they're just on the outside. In the AP, they're just on the outside of the, the top 25. In the coaches' poll, they're like 30th or 31st. Okay. The, they're receiving votes. And, and the net rankings have them as, uh, what did I say, in the well, low 20s? Yeah, yeah, I believe so, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, 21. So Good thing we swept them. <laughs> I mean, I'm having a hard time. We've had an interesting discussion on Twitter, uh, a couple of us today. I- I'm really having a hard time getting my mind wrapped around the net rankings this year. Yeah. Why Boise State was in the teens for so long, they lost two in a row, they've dropped down to 36. But since Utah State swept the Aztecs, they have consistently been moving up in the net rankings, and now they're up to 21, while Utah State is still kind of stuck in a similar spot where they've been. I mean, they're starting to make movements up again. They're now at 49. Does uh, uh, But Brent- just, the, the, just how far San Diego State has gone since they lost those two games in Logan just is surprising to me. Does the bracketology experts have you? So they have four teams in the Mount West Conference or in the NCAA tournament then, right? Depends on where you look. Again. Oh, we're doing that again, huh? Yeah, Joe okay. Lunardi has not updated his yet. Okay, yeah, I think he's going to wait till after tonight because it's big Monday night as usual. He usually do, does it on Tuesday. San Diego State is playing tonight, but they're playing San Jose. Say, yeah. Yes, yeah, the Aztecs. Or not Aztecs, it's the Spartans, excuse me. Huh. And then what, uh, who's got New Mexico this week? Boise State's got UNLV at home. Colorado State's got New Mexico this week. So, kind of a... I, I I say this cautiously and with with due respect to the opponents, but it's like a cupcake week for the top contenders. You think about it, Wyoming, um, UNLV at home for Boise State, and then New Mexico, who's in, in shambles, uh, versus Colorado State. By the way, is New Mexico still on to play? Uh, New Mexico has a game scheduled for tomorrow at Colorado State. So we're still playing. And as far as I know, that okay. game is still on. All right. Well, and they, it, I think they have to give them 24 hours notice if they're, they're going to opt out. Now, if they can't play because of COVID, 
that's a different reason. Like, they can get to the arena. That could happen, right? Yeah, re- exactly, which is what happened with the Fresno State-Utah State game. So, um, yeah, it's, like I said, there's still, I mean, three weeks seems like an eternity in the Mountain West Conference, especially this year with the amount of games that you have. Um, you know, two here against Wyoming, two in Boise, huge, huge week next week, obviously. And then two at home in, against Wyoming on a Friday-Sunday matchup. You know, Sunday senior day. Um, so, uh, it's it, yeah, it's going to get really intriguing. There's still a lot of basketball to be played, and I don't think we're anywhere near close to to having a final answer on, on what this thing is going to look like going into the Mountain West Conference Tournament March 10th. Yeah, there could be so much more movement. Oh, yeah, and, and yeah, we're not done yet. Right, and we don't know right yet uh, what these makeup situations are going to look like. Yeah, that's true. Because Fresno State, by the way, with that postponement, um, they got, I think, two series that they need to make up. One of them's against San Diego State. Now it's a postponed game against New Mexico, no, I mean, against Utah State. But they have another series against a much lesser opponent. And if seeding's on the line... Fresno State's going to take that much lesser opponent so they can get wins. Okay, so I'm actually looking at Fresno State's schedule. Help me. They had a bunch of games canceled earlier in the year. Yep. But as far as Mountain West games postponed, they've only had two. San Diego State. The one against the Aggies just on Saturday. And their second of two games against Boise State. All other games are scheduled. And have happened. So if you're Fresno State, who do you play? Boise or Utah State? Wait, Boise State's at Fresno though, right? So if you get a home no, game. it was uh, oh, at, Boise. at Boise. So to schedule the home game? Dude, they might take, they might take the Aggies at In home. In the first game against Boise State, they lost by 22. Yeah. In the game against the Aggies, they lost by 16. Yeah, you, it, I don't think it really matters. I think you'll take the home game no matter what. I agree. What if you don't? What if you decide, you know what? We aren't going to play. Like, we're going to take the week off, and we aren't going to play that made-up game. Would it count as a... I, I, know well, I don't know crazy, that the Mountain West which would, would allow, allow that. you to do that. Okay. They're going to tell you to pick one or the other. Right. Does Boise State need to make up any... San Jose State series they still need, right? Because that series was canceled just before Colorado State, Eric. So then Boise State might say, well, if we need two wins based on seeding, we're going to go play San Jose State. Because that San Jose State series got postponed just before Colorado State, the week before, I should say. That's supposed to be a Wednesday-Friday matchup. For Boise State? Yeah. They have only had the one game postponed. That was against Fresno. I swear they had another series. Oh, man. No. Okay. I'm, I'm looking at their schedule right now. Okay. I mean, they Maybe were supposed not. to play New Mexico earlier, and that got postponed, but eventually yeah. it still happened. It just got moved was, to another time. So but those may- games still did take place. So maybe the New Mexico series – no, maybe the uh, – what series was that when they uh, – it was there's a false positive. That was the week before Colorado State, right? Who did they play the week before Colorado State was supposed to play? Was that Fresno? Are you talking about Boise State? Yeah, Boise State was supposed to play someone before Colorado State. Who was that? Uh, Fresno. It is Fresno. Dang it. Yeah. Yeah, they'll... Yeah, we're going to have to go play Fresno then that week off. So it's possible. I don't know how likely it is, but it is possible that Boise State could play, could travel to Fresno. 
No, excuse me, host Fresno. Yeah. And then Utah State would travel to Fresno. Fresno and go play him. So Fresno could still make up both of those games. Yeah. Uh, just they're against different opponents during that week. If if you want to text into our show, 435-339-0321. Again, 435-339-0321-9315. Uh, how does it affect the Aggies if they don't make up this postponement game? I, I, I'm with Eric. I think they're going to. That's a good point. I don't think the I don't think the West Conference is going to say, all right, you can take – well, I don't know, man. It's the week off before the tournament. I mean, and if you're the number one seed and you just – I mean, maybe you don't want to go play Fresno and you're like, look, if they sweep Boise – okay, just bear with me here, hypothetically, crystal ball. If they sweep Wyoming and sweep Boise State, they are the outright Aggies. number one. Yeah, sorry. I'm talking about Utah State. Sweep Wyoming and sweep Boise State. They're automatically the one seed. And I think they're the regular conference season champions as well. Due to their sweep over Boise, they didn't lose a the game there. So they get a tiebreaker. Well, they could, lose, they could lose to Nevada both games, and that still leaves the door open for Colorado State. I'm assuming they're going to split with Nevada. I'm, I'm going to go optimistic and say you sweep Wyoming, sweep Boise State, and split with Nevada. Then that way, because Nevada beat Boise State, you split with Colorado State, and you swept Boise, you'd be the number one seed, and you'd be the regular season Mountain West Conference champs. If that is the case, and you had the option to either stay home or go to Fresno, you would do what? <laughs> well, if, if I'm given the option. Yeah, if you're given the option. given the option, I'd probably stay home. I'd just stay home. Like I just tell Mountain West Conference, but like, I don't look, think the Mountain we're not going to allow it. me to have the option. We need, a, we need to email Mr. Stuart Buchanan and see how that works. Because if, if you're given that week off, you'd rather just rest that week before you go to three games and three nights and, and thinking ahead there and wishing ahead, I should say. Well, yes, there's some wisdom in, in taking a break and healing up. And you need it so badly. Preparing, but there's also kind of a risk of letting too much time pass between games. So if you can do your makeup game like on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, then you still have the, the rest of the week for travel and preparation, I think that's probably a little more ideal in my mind. Yes, there's that risk, but I mean that's why you have you that's why you have to play all the games. There's always risk. Yeah, that's true. I just I'd rather just sit at home, rest up, heal up, get ready for the big tournament, and then go from there. Give you give yourself a chance to be able to scout and prep for your whoever your first opponent would be, which assuming right now the way things are going, the Aggies will have a bye. Um, I mean, we're this late into the season. I don't think the Mount West Conference is going to change anything up. Unless New Mexico or San Jose State opts out. Which, by the way, is still possible of happening. Well, they didn't have their uh, weekend series against San Diego State take place. Yeah. But. Speaking they, of making up games. They are supposed to still have their games this week. Okay, so here's the other thing. Oh, and by the way, you're right. It was Fresno State that Boise State needs to make up. Thank you. Um, but uh, da, 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 da. that's the thing. You bring up a solid point because if Boise State is locked in a second or third place tie with either San Diego State or with, uh, or excuse me, if San Diego State is locked up with a second place tie with either Boise State or Colorado State or both. <laughs> Then you're uh, then you're kind of sitting there and you're like, well, we gotta go play New Mexico now. You have to. 
Because and the Mountain West Conference needs you to go play those games because they got to figure out seating. Well, the the Mexico games were listed as canceled for San Diego State. So does that they're not listed as postponed? So oh, yeah, and I see again. <laughs> San Diego I'm, State man. doesn't have any other postponed games they need to make up. Uh, and I don't know, sure if uh, New Mexico does either. So no, they don't. So maybe the Mountain West turns around and says, "Hey, um, both of you have games that you didn't get done, and they're against each other. So guess what? You're going to play each other this week." I don't know. It, it's it's weird. <laughs> Yeah. There's so many different things this year that make it hard to predict and try to figure out. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. Um, and I'm trying to figure out, they classify those those games as losses officially. No, not New yet. Mexico. Because you look at the standings, and they still haven't put them as losses yet. Or wins for San Diego State. We're still waiting. No, you're right. They haven't changed the win-loss record for either team. And I don't think they're going to do that until after the regular season's over with. So after that final week, before the makeup week, or the open week, however you want to call it, I don't think they'll, like, I think by then we'll know which way it's going to go or if they're going to have to play extra games by then. So, yeah. Well, I guess that kind of answers the question we had earlier. Will that go down with New Mexico's decision? Will that go down as a forfeit? And an automatic win or an automatic loss for the other team. And yeah. so far, it hasn't affected the standings. Yep. Amen. So, you're right. Maybe they wait until the end of the, the year, and then they'll retroactively decide that, which I don't know that it's going to affect things too much, but it, it could affect um, standings in that uh, kind of the percentage of, of what your win-loss percentage is in conference play. Because if uh, San Diego State doesn't get those games awarded to them and Boise State, Colorado State end up having played more games, their overall win-loss percentage will put them ahead of San Diego State in the standings. Hmm. So it's kind of baffling. I'm glad I'm not in the Mountain West office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Try to figure and all this I'm, out. I'm sure there's been, I mean, if they're right, I hope they're doing everything in pencil because there's got to be a lot of eraser to be used in this, in trying to figure this all out too. And like I said, hopefully we'll have more clarity and answers by, uh, by the final week of the regular season of play. I'm just trying to see who has makeup games that need to be made up. Uh, by the way, nine three one five text in here is Ajay with the split idea again. Ajay, Ajay, Ajay. Look, I, I just said we sweep Boise State. Come on. Yeah, but you said split Nevada. Okay, well then, geez, you you're changing who you want to split with. Yeah, I'd rather, it used to always be Boise. Now it's Nevada. We well, okay. Split have you seen Nevada play lately? They're pretty dang good. I'd rather split with a uh, quad one team than a quad three team. Okay, true. Yes, we all would like a perfect world with Danny Lyons, roses and. Purple daisies, but we can't have that. Instead, we get weeds and ugly grass. By the way, Jeez. UNLV has two games against Wyoming that need to be made up. And those games are going to have to be made up, too, because UNLV's caught in a logjam, I think, in that lower half of the section of the Mount West Conference. 
or were. I don't know if they are now, but they were. Uh, they're right in the middle of the pack. Um, I'm trying to think if they're – those are really – so there's the uh, the Fresno State, Boise State that needs to be made up. Yep. Utah State, Fresno State that needs to be made up. Yep. The UNLV-Wyoming series. And that's about all that I'm seeing, AJ. There really aren't very many feels other games like there that need was. to be made up. It, feel, it feels like it was. Uh, 8968, from what I have seen, if there was a really stupid way of handling the situation, the Mountain West will do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Could you it's imagine funny because just it's true. they screw it up so bad on the open week that we have and just take off every single school in the conference? I did eight nine six eight. It's right. I went put it out of their reach to do it. Whatever they settle on, Boise State will whine that somehow it favors oh, Utah State oh. over them. Okay, I'm predicting it right now. Okay, listen, and I love BJ Reigns to death. He's such a good dude. But my goodness, there's so much like bias in his tweets. When I was just, <laughs> I was watching, I was watching the Nevada. Well, that's what he's paid for. Okay, Come true. On. But Boise he's State, Nevada, he's base. all like, there's a lot of whining from Alford. And then yet you go to the other side of the court, and Leon Rice is like on the logo, screaming at some ref across the court. And I'm like, pretty sure it's going both ways here, man. Like Alford and Leon. Uh, yeah, I love BJ to death, but I was like, all right, sir. I think I might have to mute him next week on Twitter, um, <laughs> just to, just to get, you know keep myself in uh, in calm sense. So, no, uh, hey, uh, bouncing from the the college hardwood to the NBA hardwood. Speaking of tweeters, uh, Tony Jones tweeted this out. Uh, I think of just actually yesterday after the big win over Indiana without Mike Conley, uh, you know, someone tweeted out and said, "Hey, you know, maybe we should just calm our you know our." temperature on this Utah Jazz team like we're all you know happy throwing arms in the air and celebration confetti and everything about how great this team is but it's the playoffs that determine how good you really are and Tony Jones said forget it in your lifetime this is the second best team that you that the Jazz squad has seen um and I don't know how old that dude is um but do you think Tony's right is I mean Okay, so what? So for me and you, let's go back to maybe '96, right? The Western Conference uh, final team that lost in seven to the Sonics, um, who were down three games to one, pushed it to seven, and lost in a tough one. Back-to-back finals versus the Bulls. You had the '07 Darren Williams team who went 37 and four at home. Eric, this team that we see right now, as what you've seen, are they the best team since '96? Well, I'd put the 98, 90, or 97 and 98 teams ahead of the Jazz. I'd put the 07, I'd put the 06, 07 team, or I guess it's the 07, 8 team, I think, that went 37 and 4 at home, or even the Western Conference Finals. They made finals. It the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, when they lost to the Spurs and got swept, or I think you know, they got beat four games to one gentleman sweep. That team, I'd put the 97, 98 team, I'd put the. Goodness gracious, I'd almost dare put the 2009-2010 team over this team. Is this Jazz team good? Yes. Are they a contender for the Western Conference Finals, per se? Because I felt like we knew they would be back in 97-98. I felt like we would know that in 07-08. This team, I still don't know. 
They got a mean stretch. It's a homestand, but it's a mean stretch. You you've been talking about the stretch for the last day. I mean, this I, next two weeks are we're really going to tell us what this team is. Do you really have all it. About. Um, so here's the thing. I think eight of their next nine games are against playoff teams, not just playoff teams, but top four playoff teams in their respective conferences. And it's brutal. And it starts tomorrow with the Celtics at home again, Bucks at home, Sixers at home. Uh, so this is, go ahead. This is the next two week stretch. It starts on Tuesday. Um, first of these four are in Salt Lake. Uh, Boston, Milwaukee, Miami, Philadelphia. Then they go on the road for a two-game series against the Clippers. Uh, they come home and uh, face Charlotte. Then it's the the uh, Lakers. And then they head back out on an East Coast road trip. So to finish out the month and early part of uh, the rest of the the rest of the known schedule, it's at Miami, at Orlando, at New Orleans, at Philadelphia. So it's really the next three weeks are just brutal. Just brutal. And they have the Clippers back-to-back, Blitz. Charlotte, and then Lakers. Yes. Good gosh. <laughs> it's a really brutal stretch. Now, uh, it, ranking this team compared to those other teams, uh, I have a hard time ranking a team in the middle of a season until yeah. we know when yeah. it's all said and done. Yeah. The uh, 97 and then the, well, the 96-97, 97-98 teams, and I think probably the 97-98 team – Stands above the ninety six, ninety seven. Oh sure! Oh, absolutely. Um, that's a team that made it to the NBA Finals and then gave that Jordan destroyed the Bulls teams in the regular season a run for their money. Gave yeah. Jordan. I mean, they made them sweat it out in swept, six games. Swept the Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant Lakers. Yeah, made them look stupid. Um, that was a that was an amazing team. This team, in comparison, it's hard to eras are different. It's always hard to compare against sure. eras. But what makes this team so special, I think what Tony's trying to refer to is that this team is has so much more playmaking ability. Yeah. Like it, if that true. Jazz team from before, if John Stockton missed a couple of games, would they have had the firepower to still win without him? Yeah. Or would they have dropped a few games because of it? If they had Carl Malone miss a couple of games, would they have the firepower to still win without him? Or they would have dropped a few games without him? If they would have had Jeff Hornacek <laughs> drop a couple of games, <laughs> would they have had the firepower to win without him, or would they have dropped a few games without him? This team this year has proven they can win without Donovan Mitchell. They can win without Mike Connolly. They haven't lost Rudy Gobert yet, but I mean they've had stretches here where they haven't had key guys. Now, granted, it's not long stretches. Yeah. Uh, we hope it's not a long stretch with Mike Connolly. Amen. But they're showing that they have – Great playmaking all over the place. In fact, the Athletic had a great oh long yeah, I, piece. I saw you tweet this out, so I read it. Oh, it's phenomenal. Yeah, they're like, hey, why aren't we making a stronger case for this Utah Jazz team as and a about Rudy Gobert as, as an MVP as candidate, a secret MVP candidate? <laughs> I like that. And by the way, a they backed it up with facts and numbers. Yes, straight up with it. So yeah, hey uh, nine three one five. Eric is so correct with the winner of Idaho. You said about winner of Idaho. Did I miss uh, this? maybe? It's- Maybe that's meant to say whiner. Okay. Whiner. Well, there is a lot of whiners in Idaho. Because uh, <laughs> I was talking about whiners in Idaho. I don't always talk about winners in Idaho. There are winners, though. Uh, 8968 also, let's put it this way. What benefits Boise State the most? <laughs> what does benefit Boise State the most? Sorry, I'm lost. Well, and just how the Mountain West might Oh, yeah, that's true. Up. 
5338, the full court press should spice up the show a bit by getting an official streaker. Maybe we talk to our producer. <laughs> no. Some we'll give him a box of donuts. Don't give IJ any ideas. No, we'll he will him, volunteer. No, we'll give him. Though I did play, uh, I played a specific role at a bachelor party once. I can't tell you what that was. At a bachelor party or yeah. a bathroom party? I didn't catch what you said there. Bathroom party. Oh, yes, you did. Bathroom Don't party? Stop it. Says you, Grandpa Sweater. <laughs> Speaking of the streaker, we'll play this coming back. Kevin Harlan. He oh, is, so good. He is so awesome. If I was as talented as him, I wouldn't be working here. He did it. <laughs> I listened to part of the broadcast <laughs> Sunday was, here on the oh, fan. Oh, it was so he good. So oh, good. Kevin Harlan's incredible. And I, I've heard his calls of streakers before, and they're amazing. So hey, we'll, we'll talk some Super Bowl, too. We'll give you the chance to hear his call of the streaker. Uh, we'll talk to the Super Bowl. Our pick six was all Super Bowl related. How did it turn out? Who won? It's all coming up next here on the Full Court Press. Eric France and Ajay Salveson. Dude, I'm telling you, if I was Kevin Harlan, I, I would go out and claim myself as the most talented broadcaster in sports. No one comes close in regards to play-by-play. I think even John Oglesby said this. He's like, because I asked him, I was like, hey, who's the one? Because, you know, he does play-by-play. I was like, who's the one guy you look up to? And he goes, oh, Kevin Arlen. Because he's so, like, flexible. He can call anything. He can call any game or a guy on the field streaking. Or a cat. Or a cat. Black cat. Uh, This was from the Super Bowl on Sunday. Now, the TV cameras don't. Like as soon as they see someone coming yeah, on, they like, are they directed pull away. immediately. They do not focus on them. They're directed immediately. But when you're doing radio, what do you do? Well, if you're Kevin Harlan, you give the full play-by-play. Second <laughs> down, twenty, five oh three to go. Someone has run on the field. Some guy with a brawl. And now he's not being chased. He's running down the middle of the forty. Arms in the air and a victory salute. He's pulling down his pants. Put up your pants, my man. Pull up those pants. He's being chased to the 30. He breaks a tackle from a security guard. The 20, down the middle, the 10, the 5. He slides at the 1, and they converge on him at the goal line. Pull up your pants, take off the bra, and be a man. (laughs) And the players with hands on hips at the other end of the field are looking at him and shaking their head and saying, why, oh, why is this taking place in a Super Bowl? down 20. So I've I've tried. I mean, I I've called a couple of high school football games and I'm horrible at it. And and I listen to Kevin Harlan and I'm like, dude, how, he the guy can call an unscripted improv streaker onto the field and call his step by step. Hey, by the way, what did he say? Take off the what? Take off the bra. All oh, okay. Take I, off I, the bra. I couldn't be tell a man. what he was saying. <laughs> <laughs> so that's so good. Well, he's so he can bring excitement and passion oh. without getting over the top. Some and, guys they think you have to be more loud, and you can't even understand what they're saying. Yeah, well, and it's just the it's it's the ability to call everything step by step. Like I said, like I mean, he can call like you know Brady with his left foot slanted forward, catches it, you know, takes a snap at the forty, three step drop, throw left side, calling the numbers, turns inside. It's just like holy heck, man! How do you do that? Even a call when a cat gets loose. He's walking. He's walking to the three. He's at the two. And the cat is in the CDW red zone. CD 
W. People who get it now, a policeman, a state trooper has come on the field, and the cat runs into the end zone. That is a touchdown. (laughs) And the cat is elusive, kind of like Barkley and Elliott. But he didn't know where to go. Look at they're trying to corner him, and they got him in the end zone. There are state troopers all around this cat, which now climbs up into the stands, and the fans are running for their line. Now it goes back on the field again. And it's running in the back of the end zone. And it runs up the tunnel. So that? that was at Giants Stadium, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, that was against the Dallas Cowboys. The Giants were up Giants by were 10. Giants were up 9-3. Yeah, by 6. And I, if I remember right, they, uh, Dallas scored like, I think it was Dallas they were playing? It was, yeah, New York was up 9-3 to three over the Dallas Cowboys. And then Dallas scored like, I think, 18 unanswered. Just went nuts. Because this black cat ran onto the field, took a pee in the end zone, and then bolted off and said, take that, Giants. <laughs> that's incredible. So no, good. that's great. Hey, uh, Super Bowl 55 was absolutely splendid. Uh, just incredible. Um, in regards yeah, for to- all you uh, lifetime fans. You know... And, uh, I, I, what, what was the name of the old stadium? It's called the Old Sombrero, and right, I remember and you just that. learned that on Sunday. No, I, I, it took me a little bit to remember. Okay, <laughs> I used to, uh, you know, I used to, um, I used to watch those games with, uh, with, with fear because of a, I thought the stadium was going to collapse, and b, the team sucked so bad it should have collapsed on them. But now here we are, and I cried tears of joy. I, you know, I still remember our our first Super Bowl back in '02. Led by Derek Brooks, and uh, I knew what was going on, but this brought tears of joy to my eyes. Mm, I'm sure it did. Uh, you know what? It was an impressive game for uh, for Tampa. Their game plan was perfect, exceptional. Um, Kansas City never could get anything going. They kept them out of the end zone. The way they were able to put uh, pressure on Mahomes all night long, and then conversely, they kept Tom Brady clean. Did he go down once? Uh, yeah, he was sacked once for five yards. That's it. They kept him clean. They kept his jersey clean. That he didn't hardly ever get hit. Yeah, uh, and he was able to just pick apart that Kansas City defense. So, as much as we want to talk quarterbacks, I think there is a. Um, it's almost like it's a shame if we don't mention his supporting cast, right? Like, I mean, Leonard Fournette. He, he sixteen carries, eighty nine yards. He averaged five and a half yards per carry. Ronald Jones, the second. 12 carry, 61 yards, averaged 5 yards a carry. That's 144 yards, averaged of 4.5 yards per carry. On the others, that's two guys, by the way. And then on the Chiefs, uh, Hilaire had 9 carries of 64 yards. Mahomes, 5 carries, 33 yards. And Hill had 1 carry for 5. Just, I mean, and they had 107 yards rushing. Between 3 guys, 107. Between 2 guys for the Bucks, that's 145 yards. And they just... I mean, that fourth quarter, Brady attempted five throws. Actually, in the second half, I think Brady attempted five throws because he didn't need to didn't throw the ball. Didn't need to. Yeah, didn't need to. It was incredible. Chew up clock. Let that, let that line do their thing. And then the, the, I mean, the and backs that, do their and thing. And the receiving core was great. Uh, Rob Gronk just was vintage Gronk. Really, it was. It, it brought back um, great memories. It was bittersweet for me, actually, to watch it. But Gronkowski, six catches. He was targeted seven times for 67 yards. Um, had two, uh, two touchdowns, uh, Leonard Fournette had four catches for 46 and he, he averaged about 11 and a half, uh, yards per catch. 
And on the other side, Travis Kelty was great, 10 catches for 133. He was targeted 15 times, and Hill had 7 for 73, targeted 10 times. But again, it was just the, I mean, Mahomes was forced to throw the ball all night long because the running game wasn't getting anything out of it. From the snap, he was running backwards every yeah, time. all time, yep. And you can just tell how much they missed their what happened with their starting uh, offensive line. Moving sure. guys around, bringing different people in, trying to fill gaps, and they were exposed. They got and the okay, Tampa yeah, Bay defense the just really went out. Here's them. the thing, though: Does the three offensive linemen make that big of a deal? Because what you saw Tampa Bay do is bring a new look. A lot of disguise blitzes, several delayed blitzes, and some were just like on stump packages. I mean, just really well done, really well executed blitzes on the defensive side of the ball. That I mean, even look, even if you have three starting offensive linemen there, I don't think they're covering that. Well, that was early, but then Tampa realized we only need to rush four guys. Four guys, and we still get it yeah. done. Yeah, that's so true. send everybody that's else a good back. Point. That's a good point. We don't want to get the big play. Like cover up Hill wherever he goes. Don't let him get going because he did, killed him last did, time. Boy, did that work! And they just completely took that away. So, oh, we're only going to give up the middle of the field, and that's it. Hill had what again? You know, uh, where am I at? Tyreek Hill ended up with on catches. seven catches for 73, 73 yards. 73 yards? And he had 207 yards in the first half in week 12 against the Buccaneers. So what they would do, and I think you saw this too, is you know, like wh- whatever route he ran, whether it was an out, there was a guy there, and then a guy on top. If it was a wheel route, it would just be the guy on top that would go and cover it immediately 10 yards deep. If it was, you know, if it was a stick route, there was a linebacker there and someone else near it. I mean, they just shadowed him the whole entire night. They said, you know what? Hill's not going to beat us tonight. Let Kelsey do it. Let someone else try to be a great receiver, but don't let it be Hill. And it worked to perfection. And like you said, made made Mahomes just be really uncomfortable outside the pocket and just beat him up all night long. Yeah. So the uh, the, the defensive scheme deserves an MVP as much as what Tom Brady did. Because you yeah. made you made Patrick Mahomes just look young, inexperienced, and overwhelmed. Yeah, over, overwhelmed is a good word to use, an absolutely good word to use. You know, when I think about Tom Brady now, and I know it's been talked about, and it's going to be talked about again for a long time, what he did with the, what, what did he throw for, 195 yards? Or no, it was like 201 yards, I think. Brady throwing? Yeah. 20, 201. What was his uh, 2026? What did he go? 21 of 29. 21 of 29. Uh, for, for 201 yards, he had three touchdowns, two to Gronk. But it was just this, like, it wasn't 07 Brady where I just look deep, bomb it deep, and throw a fine Randy Moss. It was, I'm going to be surgically just dice you. I mean, he surgically diced Kansas City. It was it was showing the ball for a handoff or a draw. And then it was showing the ball for a play action and getting rid of it quickly. It was it was in shotgun, not holding it on for five, eight seconds. It was getting rid of it and knowing who you're going to immediately. And he didn't make bad throws. I felt like in against Green Bay in the second half, he continually made bad throws in the second half when he like just off his back foot or beginning desperate. He knew he didn't have to because he had a defense that was going to help out. Well, and but he did go vertical a couple yeah, of times. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he showed that. Look, I still have an arm. One to Brown, I think actually. Too. Uh, I'm still going to stretch the field on you. It was incredible. Uh, I'm not just going to dink and dunk all night long. So okay, uh, we, I mean Brady's the greatest of all time without a doubt. He just went and won another Super Bowl with a different team at the age of 43, freaking years old. I was listening to the Colin Coward show today on this very station while I was in my car. 
Nick Wright, who is a Tom Brady hater without a shadow of my doubt, that's why I hate Nick Wright, <laughs> really brought up a solid point about Tom Brady. He's been in the league this long, Eric. He has three different Hall of Fame phases in his career. Three different phases. Each of them could solidify his Hall of Fame candidacy as a first ballot Hall of Famer. Okay, His first phase is 2000-2006, where he had five division titles, three Super Bowls, two Super Bowl MVPs, but no regular season MVPs. They call that the Troy Aikman phase, okay, where he had six division titles, three Super Bowls, uh, one Super Bowl MVP, and no regular season MVPs. Then there's the 07, and, 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 those, and again, those three Super Bowl titles. Then there's the Dan Marino phase, where in 07 to 13, he has six division titles, two Super Bowl uh, appearances, two regular season MVPs, and two seasons where he was the passing leader in touchdowns. That's the Dan Marino phase, who, by the way, had five, one, one, and and three uh, seasons where he was the touchdown passing leader. Then there's a third and final phase, and this is the most impressive phase of them all. We call this the Joe Montana phase. Okay, from 14 to 20. Four Super Bowls, three Super Bowl MVPs, one regular MVP in the regular seasons, excuse me, and uh, which goes with Montana, who had four Super Bowls, three Super Bowl MVPs, and two regular season MVPs. Three different phases where all of them are first ballot Hall of Fame candidacy. That is how incredible this football player is. It's amazing what he's done. It is amazing. Um, I have saw Robert Ory tweet something out saying, Welcome to the Seven Chip Club. Oh, yeah, I did see that. Robert Ory does have seven rings. He's got been a part of seven uh, championship teams in the NBA. But those teams were not founded upon or run through Robert Ory. No. Heavens no. Because I think he only started, what was the number that I saw? He started, Great role player, yeah, he but started, not a star. I think after his Lakers run, he started only 26 games the rest of his career. He started only 26 games. But you're right. He was a great role player. Like Steve Kerr in his like way over age years, where he just came off the bench for San Antonio for three minutes to hit three threes, get his team either back in the game or... Extend a lead. That's what Ori did, and they call him Big Shot Rob, obviously, for many reasons. And then I've also seen some people saying uh, what Brady did was amazing, um, and certainly it is amazing for football, but in baseball terms, he's like being you know, uh, a New York Yankee. There's a lot of New York Yankees who have, who've done similar things to what he's done, or Boston Celtics in the yesteryear yep. uh, who have done things that, that uh, Tom Brady has done. But he, I mean, but this guy did it with different cores, different players in a in a salary cap era, and he still went. I mean, he turned Wes Welker into a Pro Bowler, into an All NFL receiver, an All First Team NFL receiver. He did that, and then he left. And then you, I mean, Peyton Manning helped him out a little bit, but he wasn't the same. Danny Amendola was a second team All NFL receiver. Danny Amendola went to the Lions, and he hasn't had over a hundred yards yet in a season. I mean, it's just crazy what he does. Oh, Big Shot Bob, seven three two five. Get it right, RJ. Big Shot Bob. Oh yeah, not Big Shot Rob. That's right. It's the same thing. Rob, Bob, potato, potato. Uh, two seven eight seven. Rumor has it Brady is looking to go play for the Jets. Get excited and ready to put on your green. Oh, uh, ready to put on uh, your green on, RJ. 
You know what? If he goes to the Jets, he won't go to the I Jets. I will burn my Buccaneers jersey and I'll bring I'll burn every Brady material on my wall. Oh, and by the way, guess what? Two seven eight seven. You're gonna be proud of me. I've got some material to wear next week. I'm saving it for next week, though. <laughs> I'm living up to my guarantee that I failed in. Oh. No photos or video will be allowed, Eric. None. You just have to trust our word. Uh, 9315, I'm glad that AJ's tears of joy were able to grease the wheels of the bandwagon. Oh, give the me Chiefs no. The Chiefs just keep doing the same thing that did not work on defense and offense that didn't work. Very strange. Uh, it's true. They really didn't make very many adjustments. Mm. They were grabbing a lot on defense. Um, I saw some people complaining, how could the Chiefs win when the refs throw so many flags against them? It's true. Well, By the way, it's true. <laughs> there, was some... there were a lot of flags yeah, against them. It, too but... much. But they but were grabbing and holding. It's and the fourth most penalized team in the NFL in the regular season. That's what they do. That's, and that's, over, it's, a, it's an ongoing and, problem. And over 45% of their yards, Eric, went against a defensive backfield. What do you expect? I know you want him to play, but quit holding. Quit getting burnt. And by the way, Tyrell Matthew, whatever his name is, the honey raccoon. Honey badger. No, I, well, I mean the honey porcupine. Good for you, man. Honey porcupine. That's awesome. All right, I'm going to take a quick time out here. When we come back, let's, the results of our pick six. We've got to get into that. Oh, Coming man. Coming up next on the Full Court Press. Two seven eight seven Texan. I can't wait for next week. We need pictures. No. Maybe a video of you no. singing the fight song. There will be no. Look, we know what next week means for our beloved Aggies and the men's basketball team. I'm not. I'm going to wear this dang thing. I'm going to have to just bear it, but I'm not going to take any photos or videos will be allowed. I'm sorry. I'll have to be by the word of Eric's voice that I currently have a Boise State material thing on that I'm going to burn that night. <laughs> it's, like when, it's like when Ace Ventura finds out that Louis Einhorn is really Ray Finkel and he burns his clothes. That's going to be me. Okay. We'll get to that next week. <laughs> Uh, we got to get to the pick six. We gotta, okay. We're short on time here. Yes. All right, so uh, I'm just going to run through this. What color will the liquid be that gets poured on the game when I didn't coach? see this. Uh, I went back and I found it. I said orange. You said blue. It was blue. Uh, which will be shortest? The shortest scoring drive or the national anthem? Anthem was 217. It was a scoring drive. Oh. Uh, we both picked that. Uh, that uh, Tom Brady's led them down in like less than a minute. Yeah. Okay. So it was a scoring drive. Um. So right now I have one. You have two. I forgot to mark that. It's, <laughs> it's important to keep track of. That. Oh, it's interesting. You're marking uh, that. How one, many huh? songs? <laughs> how many songs would be performed during the halftime show? Five. We set the line at seven and a half. No, it was five. There were eight. No, there was not. There were eight. There was five. I took the over and I got it right. Bull crap. There was five. There were eight. Oh, that's bull. Oh, I'm getting. So I have two. You have two. How many? Oh, that's Tom bull Brady's crap. age. How many times will it be mentioned? I couldn't find anything to verify that. What? What was the question again? How many times will Tom Brady's age be mentioned? When we set the line at four and a half. I couldn't find anything to verify how what it was. So that one's just open right now, unless you can find it real quick. Oh. So we're still tied at two apiece. Kelsey receiving yards, 95 and a half. He actually had 133, so it was over. But we both took the under. So, Ajay, it comes down to this. Hold on. If I get screwed over because you counted the weekend No matter songs. what, it comes down to this, because we both predicted the same thing with Tom Brady. Doesn't so it comes matter. down to this. Ooh. 
Who uses their first timeouts? Oh, the first two timeouts first. I looked at the who uses their first timeout first. Uh, I'm going to double check this. Well, what? first, the Bucks called their first timeout. Yep. But was it who uses their first two timeouts first? Yeah. I only want to see who used their first timeout first. Yeah, it's first two timeouts. Um. Oh, well, we may not be settled on this just yet. Then. Well, hold on. No, I have four songs. Oh, no. One, two, three, four. I have five songs that were played in the Super Bowl. Not eight. Let's see here. Let's see. Uh, God. The place where I saw it said it was eight. Well, you got to quit looking at Wikipedia. Get real <laughs> sources. No, I did not go to Wikipedia. One. Two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, that that site's got to be wrong too. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, all right, we got to take a quick timeout. We'll settle where we're at. We're not with songs and timeouts. They didn't play. Coming up it. next on the full court that press. That song's not even on their album. A new home for the full court press. Weekday afternoons from four to six on Sports Talk Radio, one hundred six nine FM, thirteen ninety AM. The Fan. All right, Ajay, here we go. Less than a minute. Hold on. We have the results. Hold on. We have verified the results. A challenge doesn't count as a timeout. That not using it. If I lost, I'm gonna be I'm not oh I'm not giving you anything. Who uses their first two timeouts first? I said the Chiefs, you said the Bucks. It was the Bucks. You know, I always knew that. <laughs> Suddenly your I opinion changes like, on whether or not a challenge should be used for yeah, a Yeah, and, and that was the right challenge to use. And I'm glad we were <laughs> able to use that, and uh, I know it didn't go our way. Uh, oh, you win pick six. There you go. Congratulations. I haven't Ajay. won in forever. You won last week. I did. Doesn't feel like I it. I gave you really, I've given you really nice things for pick six lately. Pom poms. You've a won like three out of the last four weeks. I think I threw away your palm or your plastic door house. Oh, it's disappointing. <laughs> yeah, right. The light went out. That was really cool. Light the Aggie, hey, you know, Old Main Blue. <laughs> Ooh. Hey, 9315. Uh, we'll have to discuss it coming up next hour. Stick around, everybody. <laughs> the Mets. The Aggies. The Jazz. The high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Eric Franson with you here on a Monday. Thanks for tuning in. Wherever you may be, whether it's on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, the 106.9 The Fan mobile app, or if you're listening to us, uh, listening to us online, 106.9TheFan.com, uh, or listening to one of our podcasts. If you're listening to this after the fact, after we're on live, we still appreciate you tuning in and joining us and being part of the program. And uh, you can, you too, can be part of the program. Set me straight. Give me an idea. Raise a question. Challenge a point. At uh, 435-339-0321. It's the text line. And we'd love to get the interaction from the fans, from the audience. And uh, one of the texts that came in right before we had to close up the last hour, which we couldn't get to, from 9315. What if you had a day 
that the listeners pick the bumper music. Intriguing idea. Uh, I like that. Um, it could be uh, something we work in. Maybe we'll have like a designated day so people could submit uh, ideas maybe ahead of time, make sure we have the, the right tunes that you're, you're wanting. Uh, maybe we can have a theme. That'd be good too. So good suggestion. Definitely uh, discuss that. Uh, 9315 also texts in, uh, why does Ajay not talk about the basketball he won in pick six? That prize sounded amazing to me. Um, trying to think, what basketball did he win in pick six? Uh, hmm. I'd have to go back a ways to think of what basketball he won in pick six. Um, hmm. You have to remind me of that one, 9315. Not sure if uh, you're getting wires crossed on, on which story that is, but uh, I'm not... I can't think of a time that I gave Ajay a basketball for pick six, but it's been a while. We've been doing this contest and this uh, ongoing game for quite a while. So I've given Ajay a lot of kooky things for pick six gifts over the years. Um, But uh, this hour, we're going to get into uh, a little bit more about the Mountain West, kind of the current standings. We we touched on it last hour. We'll give you some updates there on what the current standings are. Uh, The latest in the net rankings, curious movement. That's taking place. Don't fully understand how it works, but I'll lay it out what it is. Uh, one team in particular saw a really big move this past week. Uh, where are the Utah State Aggies in all of this? The latest RPI standings are out for high school basketball. Uh, we'll give you updates there for both the boys and the girls. Um, there are some uh, district tournaments getting underway for girls basketball in Idaho. It's just around the corner for the boys uh, in Idaho. Uh, Still several more games to be played for Region 11 teams, um, but there's been a little bit of movement there as well. And then uh, Utah Jazz, they had that little bit of a hiccup in Denver where Denver just could not miss in the first half, very uncharacteristic. Um, uh, uh, So they they lost, end up losing that game, but they've picked up again since then and have uh, now won 15 of their last 16 games. Just incredible streak that they're on. And more people are starting to uh, give proper recognition to the Jazz and what they're doing uh, this season. In fact, the Athletic starting to make a case for the Jazz as a, a title contender and maybe even Rudy Gobert as a sneaky MVP candidate. So, um, well, stealth MVP candidate is uh, how they refer to it. So we'll, uh, we'll get into that. Uh, a little bit later on here in the show as well. But uh, if you want to chime in on what's going on with the Jazz that stand out to you, the Aggies and the net rankings, we'll get into that, as well as the high school RPI rankings that uh, uh, were updated today by the uh, Utah High School Activities Association. So if you want to weigh in, it's pretty easy. 435-339-0321. Or you can message us directly through the 106.9 The Fan mobile app. So, uh, first things first, I want to talk about the uh, net rankings that were released today by the NCAA. These are updated every day, but uh, for me, I I like to take snapshots of the entire week and update them on Mondays and just kind of see where do things stand, what's happened in the past week. And for Utah State, there's a little bit of movement. They beat Fresno State earlier in the week, uh, didn't have their game on Saturday take place because of... uh, COVID and contact tracing protocols. Uh, from what um, we hear, what I understand, it looks like the games this week for Utah State are still on. 
we're seeing Utah State athletics and Utah State men's basketball team send stuff out on social media talking about, hey, we're back home, we're excited to be home again, make sure you have your tickets and all this stuff. So they're actively promoting that these games will happen. Uh, the first game is Wednesday at 6 o'clock. So if it's not going to happen, probably need to make that uh, decision fairly soon, I'd imagine. But for all points that we're seeing right now, everything's moving forward, and Utah State still having a game this week against Wyoming. Um, so despite not having played a game, Aggies still moved up. Uh, they moved up five spots in Ken Pomeroy, and uh, they moved up five spots in the net ranking as well. So it was a good week for Utah State. When you get a win on the road, that's going to happen. That's natural. Uh, but the t- uh, one team in particular benefited the most from what they were able to do this past week. Nevada uh, beat Boise State twice. They swept the series. And, uh, and as, as a reward, those are two quad one wins for the Wolfpack. They moved up 18 spots in both the NCAA net rankings and Ken Pomeroy's rankings. So uh, a, a nice big move for Nevada. And uh, now the Wolfpack come in at uh, 106. As they start to creep into that top 100 category, Utah State is now in the top 50 uh, in the net rankings. Utah State's now 49. They're closing in on Colorado State, who's at 47. Boise State had a pretty significant drop after losing that two-game series uh, to uh, Nevada. They dropped 15 points in the net rankings. So now they're at, uh, uh, in the net rankings, they're at 36. And San Diego State, they're beating kind of mediocre to bad teams, but they keep making big strides up and up and up. And I don't think it's necessarily just because of the Mountain West teams that they've beat, but the way that the rankings work, it's like, who did you beat? Who have they beat? What are how are those other teams moving up? So San Diego State has benefited from Utah State moving up. San Diego State has benefited from UCLA moving up, uh, and they've been making some some uh, movement up the rankings as well. So the Aztecs they're up to 21 in the net rankings, and uh, other people are taking notice to what the Aztecs have been doing, and as a result, the uh, latest polls out today are giving a lot of consideration to San Diego State. Boise State is still being considered by the AP. Boise State is still getting three votes um, in the AP poll, but San Diego State is just on the outside. They are effectively ranked 27th, getting 38 votes. Um, Utah State is not getting votes in the AP poll, but they are getting votes in the coaches. The Aggies have five votes in the coaches poll. San Diego State's getting 18 um, Boise State is uh, not included in the latest coaches poll. So kind of curious how this is moving and, and all working out. Uh, the uh, um, the latest Ken Pomeroy uh, rankings are out as well. And as I mentioned, there's some uh, movement there uh, for uh, San Diego State. They moved up four in the Ken Palm. USU moved up five. Boise State only dropped six in the Ken Pomeroy. Not as dramatic as what happened in the net rankings. Colorado State even dropped a little bit. And uh, Fresno State dropped nine. Uh, Wyoming has been moving up a little bit. So this series this week against the Cowboys is really important uh, for Utah State, not only to keep pace uh, and to continue to gain opportunities in the net rankings and 
to stay uh, on top of the Mountain West standings because they are number one right now in the uh, Mountain West standings as of today. Um, and uh, the there are a few games taking place today, but Utah State will remain on top. Um, the uh, Aztecs are involved. They're, they're taking on San Jose State tonight, 9 o'clock on FS1. Air Force at UNLV, that's at 7 on CBS Sports Network if you want to tune in and watch some uh, Mountain West basketball tonight. But um, those aren't going to affect the standings necessarily for Utah State. Um, San, Diego, San Diego State, even though they've got the better net ranking, they're getting more votes in both polls, they're two and a half games behind the Aggies. Um, Utah State is 11-2. and two. San Diego State is 7-3. and three. San Diego State has had some games uh, canceled against New Mexico. Will those games be made up later? We don't know. And certainly there's an opportunity for them to be made up at the end of the regular season. There's a full week between the end of the regular season and when the Mountain West Conference Tournament begins. And the Mountain West wisely left time open so that teams could make up other games that get postponed or have, uh, have issues. So will Utah State use that week to make up the game with, with the with the Bulldogs at Fresno State? Uh, that's still to be determined. We don't know. I mean, there could be other postpone, postponements between now and then, and teams will have to look at uh, which which games they want to make up and which we'll just have to set by the wayside. But um, as of right now, Aggies are in a good spot. They're in a good place where they are in the standings, where they are in the net rankings, continuing to get some uh, positive Respect for them, but they're in a spot also that's still precarious. Not only is it a very thin margin of error for them to stay on top and as to win the regular season, but uh, they're not necessarily shoe in uh, to the NCAA tournament. Um, as of last week, there was only one major publication that had Utah State in. Most others had them outside looking in with work left to do, and I can't say that a disagree with that too much they still need to get some more quad one wins under their belt and I think that best opportunity to do that is Boise State Nevada's gaining some steam they can beat the Wolfpack that's also going to help their resume but you can't slip up and lose against a team like Wyoming who comes into the matchup currently at uh, 189 similar to what they how they slipped up against UNLV and had a quad three loss. Um, so can't do that. It's a, it's a really bad mark on your resume. So this is a really important series this week for Utah State and Wyoming. And we'll get into the matchups more in detail as we go on a little bit later on in the week. But uh, uh, really right now, it's Utah State's in a good position. Um, Boise State is uh, starting to slip. They're starting to get into the real teeth of their schedule. They've benefited from a very soft conference schedule to this point. And as they're starting to face tougher teams, they're slipping. Uh, they're not uh, as as bulletproof as perhaps they thought they were. And now that uh, early net ranking kind of exposing uh, Boise State, maybe it's not quite as, as good of a team. And the Ken Pomeroy rankings have always been very different to, towards Boise State than the net rankings have been. Ken Palm rankings uh, take into effect, uh, well, they counter what the, your strength of schedule is and what their your opponent's strength of schedules are. And it, it takes into effect a lot of other things, and so it hasn't been as 
rosy for Boise State in the Ken Palm rankings as it has been in the net rankings. And so it's starting to even out a little bit more. But um, it's still kind of interesting to see what's going on with uh, with the Broncos. And look at their uh, upcoming uh, schedule this week after losing two at U- or, excuse me at Nevada. This week they're at home. They've got UNLV coming into town. Then uh, they will host the Yankees, and then they have to travel to San Diego State. Um, all four, all three of those teams are are tough opponents. Um, so uh, this week it's uh, uh, UNLV on the 11th, uh, eight o'clock on CBS Sports Network, and then on the 13th, eight o'clock on FS1. If you want to give an early preview of uh, what Utah State matchup is going to look like uh, for uh, for the Broncos, so. Uh, interesting to see how this all works right now. The bracket matrix is a place that is kind of fun to go to. It uh, breaks down uh, and it looks at a lot of different people who put together these brackets and try to predict some more notable than others. CBS, ESPN, Fox Sports, uh, they have their own bracketologists. But then there's a lot of other people who put theirs together as well. A lot of them, I don't even know who they are, what kind of credibility they have. But this bracket matrix uh, accumulates all of them, and there's dozens of them that they look at, and then they give uh, an average score. What is your average seed based on all these people that are out there that are prognosticating where you might be? And as of right now, Utah State on bracket matrix, on the outside, looking in. Not enough uh, publications are are looking at the Aggies as a, a team that's done enough to be considered an automatic uh, at-large. I guess nothing is really automatic if you're an at-large, but uh, at least they're showing that Utah State still has work to do. And it starts this week. Um, They had a nice uh, rebound against Fresno State uh, and uh, kind of continuing on what the changes that they made uh, against UNLV. It's too bad they didn't have that game on Saturday. It was really looking forward to that game. Um but uh, now they've turned their focus to uh, the Cowboys, and uh, Wyoming has some playmakers. Uh, they've got some guys that, that can be kind of fun to watch, really. Uh, they've had an up-and-down season. They've had some games kind of surprising uh, that, uh, that you wouldn't have suspected they'd win. And then they've had some games just really get away from them. Um, so a strong start to the season. Um, but uh, once they got into conference play, really started to struggle uh, with the losses Big losses to Boise State, uh, Fresno State, uh, and Air Force. A close one to Air Force. And they turn around, they they beat Air Force in their second game. They beat Nevada twice. Uh, they got blown out by San Diego. Played Colorado State really tough this last week. And so now they face uh, the Aggies. So this is a team that, uh, is it going to be the team that beat uh, um, Nevada? Or is this going to be the team that got blown out by uh, Fresno State? Um, or uh, San Diego State. So hard to really know with this uh, Wyoming team coming up this week. And uh, we'll, we'll hear more from Craig Smith tomorrow. We'll share what his thoughts are and get into more of those details. But currently Utah State on top of the Mountain West at 11-2. and two. Colorado State is number two at 11-3. and three. Boise is 10-3. and three. Uh, San Diego State is 7-3. and three. So a very slim margin of error there for those top four teams 
in the Mountain West, all still very close to each other in the standings. Uh, Nevada's at 9-5. and five. They've been moving up. UNLV looked like they were going to start making a move after they started getting all their guys healthy and actually started playing games, but they've kind of sputtered. They're still having a hard time finding their footing. They're 4-5. and five. Fresno State is 5-7. and seven. Wyoming right now is 4-8. and eight. Um, And uh, currently, looking at their schedule, they've They've lost four in a row uh, coming into this uh, this week after winning three in a row at Air Force and then the two games against uh, uh, Nevada. So kind of hard to predict where this Wyoming team is going to be at, but as of right now, it's a team that's on the ropes after losing four in a row coming into Logan on Wednesday. Um, and then rounds out to San Jose State's three and nine, Air Force two and 11, and New Mexico one and 11. And uh, by... The account that the, the the word that we heard um, the tail end of last week is Coach Weir was thinking that uh, he was confident that he should have his team back to the full at least the the base minimum of players scholarship players to be able to play against uh, pick up their series again and start playing again um, and uh, after having canceled their series against uh, uh, San Diego State. But uh, he was feeling pretty good that he'd have his team back this week to take on Colorado State. But uh, their game is tomorrow night at, on FS1 at uh, 9 o'clock. So if they're going to play, uh, they'd have to make that known pretty quickly, I would have to assume. But as far as I know, haven't heard anything that uh, suggests that it's not on. And it looks like it's uh, pointing towards that game actually taking place so that uh, New Mexico is not canceling their season. They just canceled that series uh, against uh, the, uh, the the Aztecs uh, last week. So that's an update on what's going on in the uh, NCAA in the Mountain West Conference. Utah State positioned well, uh, need to hang on and, and to continue to play you know, great defense and uh, good inside-outside shooting. It continues to put them in a great spot to stay on top of the conference. Standings currently at 11-2. and ahead of Colorado State, Boise State, and San Diego State, who all have three losses. All right, coming up next here on the Full Court Press, we'll update you on what's going on with the Utah Jazz. Who's going to be available tomorrow for the Jazz and Boston Celtics matchup? A uh, couple of players on both sides, key guys, will not be available. So we'll update you on that. Finally, some national publications are taking notice of what's going on with the Jazz and giving them proper recognition for their elite level of uh, offense and defense and just a crazy run they're on right now in the early part of the basketball season. What the Athletic has to say about the Jazz and if they are truly are a title contender and if there's a sneaky MVP candidate on their squad. We'll talk about that coming up next here on the Full Court Press. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson with you here on the Full Court Press. Always appreciate Nate Kreckman giving us the updates. What's going on around the Mountain West. And, uh, yeah, Utah State keeping pace. Still number one in the standings at 11-2. And, And, uh, yeah, boy, it's too bad the Aggies didn't have that game against Fresno State. 
Uh, I really liked how they looked in that second half. Uh, really started to pull away, impose their own will. A lot went through uh, Nimi Keta down to the low post. Outside shooting started to pick up. And the Aggies quickly got out up to double digits and uh, kept it kept it above 15 to 18 points most of the game. So um, yeah, the Yankees now have to turn their attention to the Cowboys. And we'll get into more about uh, those matchups a little bit later on in the week. Uh, Utah Jazz, they had a nice week this last week. Picking up uh, some some nice wins on the road for the Jazz. Uh, started um, at, at Atlanta, beating the Hawks 112-91. They beat the Charlotte 138-121. to But if you read all the national headlines, it was a, a tremendous performance by Lomelo Ball. Never, never mind, the Jazz still won. Uh, and then they won at Indiana on an early, early uh, tip time for the Jazz. And a short turnaround for those games, a Thursday, Friday, and a Sunday. And you factor in travel with all that in consideration, too. Pretty amazing what the Jazz were able to do. And uh, Mike Connolly had a hamstring tightness, had to go out of the Charlotte game, did not play at all in the Indiana game. Donovan Mitchell did more of the playmaker duties. They inserted Joe Ingles into the starting lineup. Mitchell finishes with a near triple-double. A great performance uh, by him. Rudy Gobert has just been fantastic, continues to be. Uh, Jazz are home now. They turn their attention to Boston. Uh, But the Jazz today have announced that Mike Connolly will be out for tomorrow's game against Boston. He is the best in the NBA in uh, in his plus-minus. He has the greatest impact being in the game as anybody in the NBA right now. Uh, and he's out. Jazz were able to, to get around that uh, last week uh, with his uh, to finish off the Charlotte series, uh, Charlotte game, I should say, and then take care of Indiana um, and uh, really picked up their defensive presence, I think, to give that uh, the biggest stretch there. Um, uh, and, but um, now they're going to have to try to do it without um, Mike Connolly in another good stretch here. Uh, of some really big games on the schedule. But it looks like the Boston Celtics may be without some people as well, as um, it looks like um, Jalen Brown is questionable because of left knee soreness. Uh, Marcus Smart, he's out. He's got a left calf tear. Uh, Romeo Langford, he had a right wrist surgery, and he's in rehab. He's out. But uh, Jalen Brown... He's questionable, uh, so not not certain he'll be available. So one of the, their top players is uh, is going to be out, uh, is likely out. Marcus Smart out, one of their, their key defensive guys. He is definitely out. Um, so uh, key matchups there for the for the Jazz, and uh, trying to stay on top of the Western Conference, and trying to stay on top of the uh, whole entire NBA. Utah Jazz have the best record. In the NBA right now, and uh, this is a really, really tough stretch. I don't know that they'll be able to maintain it. Just, it's a brutal February and uh, first few days of, of March. It's just one great team after another uh, on their schedule coming up. Boston is currently fourth in the East. They're 12-10 and 10 overall. Um, uh, this is a team that 
beat the Clippers just the other day. So uh, it's, it's good Boston team. The Jazz are 19-5. and five. They have the best record in the NBA by a couple of games. Uh, the Lakers are on their heels. They're a game behind of the Jazz. Clippers are two and a half behind Utah. Um, but uh, Jazz have won 15 of their last 16. And it's not just all offense. They're doing it to, by the strength of their defense as well. And a uh, great piece put together by John Hollinger on The Athletic about the Utah Jazz, about uh, just how well they're playing right now. And a couple of lines in his piece just really jump out. And I get it. If you don't have a, a subscription to The Athletic, it is worth it in my mind. I think they have great material there. Uh, but if you don't, I'll summarize some of the pieces from their article today. Um, but the, the Jazz, they have the best scoring margin in the Western Conference. They're the only team ranked in the top five in offense and in defense. Um, and and uh, a couple of lines here from the piece today. If, uh, if this isn't a contender, then I don't know what a contender looks like. Uh, then later he says, isn't it about time we talked about the guy who makes this whole thing work? And he highlights Rudy Gobert and his impact on the game. But uh, a lot of it is about their three-point shooting. Jazz have set an NBA record for three-point shots made in a calendar month. Uh, they've set a team record for three-point three shots made in a game. Um, a string of games of 10 or more three-point shots made. They had a pretty impressive string of 15 or more three-point shots made in a game. Uh, but they've got five guys that are shooting 40% or better from beyond the arc. And Jordan Clarkson is right behind at 38.7. So they got six guys who can drain a three in your eye at any moment and are good at it. Um, so it's a they've got these great shooters and playmakers all over the floor. And then Rudy Gobert is uh, locking down the perimeter gobbling up rebounds, swatting shots, but he's also good offensively too with how he plays lobs and putbacks. Now, he's not going to stretch the floor like some of those other great centers in the NBA can. He's not going to be like Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic and, or uh, Anthony Davis and step out to the three and uh, stick a three-pointer in your eye. He can't do that. He won't do that. It's not his strength, but he can defend out there. He's gotten better with his perimeter defense. And that really helps what the uh, the perimeter players can do uh, on switches. They're okay uh, making a, a switch and having Rudy Gobert out there. Um, and uh, he takes away a lot of space. And with his length, he can recover. And he's very active and quick. But um, it, it's impressive to see what this Utah Jazz team has done. Uh, can they maintain it uh, 24 games into the season? That's uh, about a third of the of the season is now done, and uh, and I don't. I'm running out of different ways to say how impressed I am with this Utah Jazz team. It's a 72 game season, and 24 games have been played. A third of the season is done, and the Jazz are playing incredible basketball. Um, there, Mike Connolly missed large stretches last year. He was uncomfortable fitting into the system. He had different injuries. That finally started to come together right before the pandemic hit and the shutdown, and uh, he really started to get back into it during the playoffs. But he's had he's benefited from a full off season, small as it may have been. Uh, so, but he's 
playing great basketball now with the Jazz. He understands his players, how to play with Rudy Gobert, a different type of center than he was used to in Memphis for so long. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich missed the playoffs because of a wrist surgery. Um, he's back. He's playing fantastic basketball right now. Jordan Clarkson joined the team halfway through the season a year ago. So all these guys are back. They've benefited from an offseason coming back, and they've been relatively healthy. Now, uh, Joe Ingles did miss time with his uh, Achilles. Uh, Mitchell missed a couple of games because of uh, concussion protocol. Connolly is now, that'll be his second game missed because of a tight hamstring. But they're showing that they can still win games despite that. Um, and uh, a couple other key key things to point out from the uh, athletic piece that uh, from John Hollinger, um, that four of Utah's six perimeter players are also accomplished playmakers, he says. The Jazz can play Mitchell, Connolly, Clarkson, or Ingles on the ball to pressure defenses. And Having Joe Ingles inserted into the starting lineup uh, uh, Sunday against uh, the the uh, the Pacers, I, I thought was was really helpful. Uh, Donovan Mitchell played great, uh, but having that other uh, player out there who can initiate the offense, who can uh, get things going, um, is such a huge asset. Nine rebounds for Joe Ingles. He had three assists, uh, seven points overall. Just doing a lot of different things for the Jazz. But what uh, Hollinger points out is uh, one of the guys that we should all be talking more about in the NBA and his impact on the game is Rudy Gobert. 16 points, 16 boards, three blocks on Sunday. Is he an MVP candidate? I'll be honest, he's not who I think of as an MVP candidate. Maybe I should be thinking more of him as an MVP candidate, but... Uh, is he even in the top? Is he in the top five? Is he in the top ten? Maybe in the top ten. I don't know. Uh, someone's going to have to make a stronger case for Rudy Gobert as an MVP. Not the knock against him. I don't like what he's what he's not doing. I think he's definitely an impact guy. But. Uh, he definitely impacts the game, but I don't know. I, I'm kind of struggling with that a little bit. Um, I mean, you, when you look at the MVP, you usually look at who's the best player on the best team or something akin to that, much like to that. So the best team is Utah Jazz. Is he the MVP of the Utah Jazz? Or is it Mike Connolly? Or is it Donovan Mitchell? I'd probably put Mike Connolly ahead of Donovan. Rudy Gobert has been very consistent and very dominant. But I'd, i i got to be honest, I think I'd lean more to Mike Connolly being more of an impact to the overall team than Rudy Gobert. But you can make a case for Rudy. LeBron James for the Lakers, second best team in the NBA. You look at Joel Embiid, top team in the East. Giannis Antetokounmpo, so dominant on offense and defense. Kevin Durant. I mean, there's a lot of great players in the league. Is Rudy Gobert, should he be in the discussion with those guys? Uh, he's great with the um, running the rim, from rim to rim, protecting the rim, 
Uh, as Hollinger points out, he's got nonstop energy for setting ball screens, fulcrum for the entire offense. Um, weak side defenders must choose between crashing on Gobert's roll to prevent a certain dunk or staying home to prevent giving a clean look to a 40% marksman. It's an impossible choice. It's true. Uh, he's doing a great, a tremendous job with uh, grabbing rebounds, affecting shots. So, um, and the other thing, the Jazz, uh, their three-point defense is good because Rudy Gobert has improved on switches and it improved on perimeter defense. And Jazz players, they don't foul their opponents. That's what blew me away. The Jazz have the league's lowest opponent free throw rate. And this is in uh, non-garbage time. So there's been a lot of blowouts in the NBA. And so when you start throwing in your third stringers, these guys are able to figure out what's garbage time and what's not. And in non-garbage time, the Utah Jazz are elite in what they're doing right now. Um, so here's the case from John Hollinger. Add it all up, what Gobert does offensively, what he's doing defensively, what he's doing on ball screens, what he's doing on rebounds. He says, and I quote, Gobert is a stealth MVP candidate despite averaging just 13.3 points per game. Surely he's the favorite for defensive player of the year. Pretty strong case, pretty strong uh, assertion, uh, but he has improved his offense. He definitely is more a part of the offensive scheme. Uh, I don't know. I just, maybe a little bit of a stretch for me to put Rudy Gobert in the MVP discussion. He should be an all-star. Uh, Mike Connolly should be an all-star. Donovan Mitchell is on the fringe. Uh, he's been a good player, but has he been an impact player? And has he been able to take over games? I mean, he's averaging 24 points a game. Yes, that's a, it's a great player. Doing very well. I think he should be an all-star. Um, it's not uncommon for a team to send three guys to the game. And if the Jazz maintain this pace, they absolutely deserve to have solid representation uh, in the All-Star game. Now, again, that is assuming we have an All-Star game, which still is not yet totally determined. Uh, but uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll see if that happens. Uh, but they should be named. They're playing at a, such a tremendous level. Uh, but there is a question, like, how long is Mike Connolly out and how does that affect the team and the rotations? Uh, but uh, the way that this team is built, that Joe Ingles can initiate the offense, Donovan Mitchell can initiate the offense. You have good ball handlers in uh, Royce O'Neal, Boyan, Jordan Clarkson. Um, you've got some other guys that are getting some – Decent time off the bench with this third string with so many blowouts. Maybe they start to play extended minutes if necessary. But uh, and I don't even mention Derek Favors, the impact he's having coming off the bench. The Jazz don't have to like totally freak out if Rudy gets in foul trouble or if he needs a breather. Because Derek Favors can come in and play solid, solid minutes, anchoring the defense, and then also doing a great job being a rim protector and running to the rim with lobs and great screen and roll game with uh, Rudy Gobert, or excuse me, with uh, Joe Ingles. Mike Connolly's gotten in on that a little bit as well. So it's been super fun to watch the depth of this team and how they've all come together. Uh, now we just got to see what they can do with it. And this is a, 
It's a really tough week for the Jazz to try to do that. Uh, as we mentioned, this is their this is their run that they have to go through starting tomorrow uh, to, against Boston. It's an eight o'clock tip off. It's going to be a, a TNT game, so high profile game for the Jazz. Uh, we'll have that here on the fan. Then on Friday, if they host Milwaukee, they host Miami on Saturday. It's a back to back for the Jazz, but it's in Utah. They host Philadelphia on Monday. They go to uh, Los Angeles to take on the Clippers in a back-to-back uh, in series, but it's on a Wednesday and a Friday. The uh, excuse me, uh, yeah, Wednesday, February seventeenth, Friday the nineteenth in Los Angeles. Come back home uh, to take on Charlotte. It may be one of the little bit of a breather that they have here in this run, because then they host the Lakers on the twenty-fourth. Then they head back out on the on the road uh, to the East Coast to face Miami, Orlando, New Orleans, and Philadelphia. Uh, Miami, surprising, uh, they're not currently a playoff team. Um, Orlando, kind of a similar position. Uh, but uh, Philadelphia, yeah, they're in the mix there. Uh, they're the they're a top team in the East. Um, and then uh, they, they finish it off. They also take on uh, New Orleans, uh, Pelicans, slipping a little bit down there in the uh, Western Conference standings, but their size and uh, some of their talent level can give the Jazz some fits. So it's a pretty tough stretch here in February for the Jazz, but they're playing such great basketball, still like their odds in a lot of these games and a lot of these matchups. Uh, it certainly would help if Mike Connolly get that hamstring under control and come back and help the team. All right, coming up next here on the Full Court Press, the uh, a lot of rankings we're talking about today. We've talked about the net rankings. We've talked about Ken Pomeroy uh, rankings and what he has out. Also today on a Monday, we've got the uh, the uh, UHSAA rankings, the RPI rankings for the latest updates in high school basketball. We'll update the standings currently in Region 11, and there's some really big games going on for our uh, schools in Idaho as well as they're getting and approaching their district tournaments at the end of their regular season. That's all coming up next here on the Full Court Press. The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Eric Franson with you. If you want to chime in, 435-339-0321. Or message us directly through the 106.9 The Fan mobile app. Uh, by the way, the Best of Northern Utah, presented by Thermal Fisher, it's coming up. You can start the nominating uh, the best businesses in, in Northern Utah on February 23rd. So it's coming up soon. Start thinking about it. Who's the best at what they do around here? You can nominate them. They will be recognized. This will be unlike anything that's ever been done up here. There is a third party that's involved. Very accurate. Uh, It's not just who knows who picking their favorites. It's a very reputable organization. Been doing this for years uh, with great success. We're bringing it to uh, to, to uh, Cache Valley, Northern Utah. 
Um, you can go to bestofnorthernutah.com. And um, starting February 23rd, that's when you can start making your nominations. A lot of different categories involved. This is bigger and better than anything that's ever been done. We're really excited here at the Cash Valley Media Group to be a part of this. It will blow away anybody else that's done anything remotely close. So this will be really fun. Uh, bestofnorthernutah.com. Start nominating your favorite business beginning February 23rd. Uh, Utah High School Activities Association, on Mondays, they released their updated RPI rankings for both the boys and the girls' basketball. And uh, it always kind of has some inconsistencies that makes you raise your eyebrows a little bit. Um, for uh, the boys, Skyview continues to be undefeated in, in region play. They are still at that number five spot in the RPI rankings, trailing uh, four, excuse me, three uh, region nine teams and uh, throw in Juan Diego in there. But uh, Skyview at 6-0 and in region play, 13-3 and overall, having a nice season for Skyview. But here's where it gets kind of quirky. And it's also kind of quirky for the girls. We'll get into that in just a second. But uh, Logan was ranked seventh. They've dropped to eighth. Ridgeline is at ninth. Ridgeline is five and one. Logan is four and two. But R- Logan is ahead of Ridgeline in the RPI standings. Ridgeline is ahead of Logan in the Region 11 standings, but in the RPI rankings, which matter when it comes to the postseason. The Grizzlies have the edge, and they I mean they should. Their overall body of work, they have more wins than Ridgeline, so it stands to reason why they'd be ranked ahead of them. But the River Hawks have been steadily moving up and improving their resume, so they're five and one in region play, uh, and uh, Logan is four and two. But Logan's eighth, Ridgeline is ninth. Those are the, uh, Skyview is fifth. So those are the only teams in the top ten in uh, in region eleven. Green Canyon comes in at number 12. They've been slipping a little bit. Uh, they're 2-4 and four in region play. Bear River drops to 15th. They're 1-5. and five. Actually, I think they maintain where they were. Curiously, Mountain Crest lost. So Logan beats Mountain Crest. Logan drops a spot. Mountain Crest moves up two spots. So I don't understand how it all works, but that's what the latest rankings are. Mountain Crest comes in at number 18. Um and uh, they're 0-6 in region play, 2-14 and overall. But they are ahead of Ben Lomond, Canyon View, and Ogden as of right now. Uh, in 5A, Box Elder is 27th. They're off to a rough start. They're 2-5 and in their region. Uh, and in, uh, in 1A, Rich, they're number 6 in their rankings. Uh, Preston, uh, I have to give a shout-out to the Preston Indians. They clinched their district title last Friday with a win over Century. So they're in action this week against Burley. It's a non-region game for them. Uh, West side, they've got a couple of games still this week before they end up their reg- finish up their regular season. And for the girls, Ridgeline, they're at uh, number two, still in the state at 5-1. and one. Logan is at number four, still. No movement there from either team. Logan is 6-0. and oh. Logan beat Ridgeline last week, last Tuesday, by 10 points. But Logan is still four. Ridgeline is two. Uh, Skyview and Green Canyon, they swap places. They're, they're mirrors of each other. Three and three in region play, 11 and five overall. Uh, and then Mountain Crest at 13, Bear River at 
14 in the other standings. Uh, the teams in the Region 11 where they're at. Uh, Preston girls, they're in action this week. They're trying to to uh, stay in their district tournament. It's a double elimination tournament. They have to beat Pocatello and then try to beat Century twice. This week, Westside uh, lost tell into last week, so they their season is done. Uh, some final thoughts coming up next here on the Full Court Press after our final timeout. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hey, do you like the long ball in Major League Baseball? Well, Major League Baseball is trying to slow that down a little bit. Uh, apparently, they're trying to uh, deaden the balls by a little bit and give them a little less distance available to them. They've made a few little tweaks, and allegedly, according to an independent lab, this report on ESPN says that the new balls will fly one to two feet shorter on balls hit over 375 feet. In addition to that, more teams are adding humidors to their stadiums with the humidity-controlled storage spaces for their baseballs. So 10 of the 30 stadiums will have that. Try to slow down those balls. We'll see what kind of a difference it makes. 